Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Strong in Grace series, which walks through Ephesians chapter 6. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Ephesians chapter 6. Well, we are getting into uh, the fall season, and that means school is starting. Yeah, all the teens go, uh, all the parents go, hallelujah. Now, school is starting, and I know that our teens are thrilled about that. Uh, but with school starting means that, uh, that school sports start up again. I know there's some summer leagues and different things like that, but uh, around our house, uh, it's the starting of school means the starting of football. And uh, not, just, not just on a professional and college level, but Micah is pretty excited because this Wednesday... This Wednesday, he'll start football again. And uh, how many of you played football growing up? All right, yeah, just a few of you. How many of you? Never mind, I'm not gonna ask. Uh, and so this week, this Wednesday, Micah is going to, he's gonna go in, he's gonna start football. On Wednesday at practice, here's what's gonna happen. It happens every year. Every year when Micah starts football, the same thing takes place. We go in, we check in with the coach, and the coach says, all right, go to that trailer right there to pick up your gear. Go get your gear. And Micah, he'll grab, we'll, we'll walk over there and he'll go to the first part of the trailer. And at the first part of the trailer, he's going to be given uh, some pants and some pads. He'll be given some shoulder pads. And here's what the coach is going to do. The coach is going to explain everything he's given out. Now, Micah, you've played football before, but these are your football pants. Here's where the, here's where the pads go inside of those pants. Here's how you take them out. Here's how you put them in. Micah, be sure to wash these pants after every game. Micah, would you do that? That's, that's what's going to happen. Then we're going to go to the next section. And in the next section, the, one of the coaches is going to give him a helmet. It's all right, Micah, try this helmet on and put that helmet on his head. Does it feel snug in there? Is that moving around? Okay, Micah, here's how you put your helmet on. Here's how you take it off. Now, Micah, I know you've played football before. I know you know this, but Micah, I just want to remind you I want to remind you how your helmet should be worn. He's going to take a mouthpiece. He's going to say, now, Micah, do you have your own mouthpiece or do you want one of these? And Micah will probably say, well, I'll take one of those even though I have my own, just so I always have an extra. That's all right. Here's, here's how you take this home. Here's how you boil it. Here's how you put it in your mouth to fit it to your teeth. Now, Micah, the strap attaches to the front of the helmet this way. What's the coach going to be doing? He's going to be explaining, Micah, I want you to not only have the gear, but I want you to know how to use it. I want you to know how to use it safely. And they're gonna do that with every single player. Even the seniors in high school that have played before, the coach has a responsibility to say, now I know you know this, but I want you to really know your gear. Because if you know how to wear your cleats right, if you know where, what pads go where, if you know how to make that helmet go on correctly, you are going to be more protected when we're out in a game. Does that make sense? Here's what we're doing. The last week, we've been sitting down with Coach Paul. Coach Paul has set us down and he said, now listen, you're in a spiritual warfare. You're in a war that is going on all around you. It's not a physical war. It's a spiritual war. And you need to know that you are powerless in this war. You don't have the equipment that you need. You do, you, in and of yourselves, you can't handle yourself in this war. And as a matter of fact, sometimes you become distracted on who even the enemy is. 
Sometimes in your life, you think the enemy is somebody with a different viewpoint. But Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, they are not the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the demonic forces of this world. You're at war. So you need to know your gear. What gear have we been given? We saw this very briefly last week. Number one, we saw that we've been entrusted with truth against the devil's lies. Truth against the devil's lies. Number two, we've been entrusted with righteousness against the devil's accusations. Righteousness against the devil's accusations. The devil likes to come and accuse you and say God won't accept you, but we are in Christ's righteousness and every day we can choose to follow his rightness. Truth against the devil's lies, righteousness against the devil's accusations. But then lastly, we looked at the fact that we've been given peace against all of the fear that the devil places in our path. We saw that with the idea of having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the knowledge, the readiness of the good news of peace. Hey, the devil likes to tell you that the ground that you're traveling is is to be feared and that your life is out of God's hand and out of control, but God wants to remind us, no, 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 my peace I give unto you. My P, I am the Prince of Peace. And so God, through Paul, writes to us, you've been, you've been equipped with peace against fear. And today we're going to come back into Ephesians chapter number six and we're gonna discover four more resources, four more pieces of equipment that we have. And we're gonna see Paul as a coach try to explain to us, I want you to not only know what you have, but I want you to know how to use it. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Take your Bible, if you would, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's stand together. Ephesians 6 and beginning in verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. The word of God says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power, excuse me, of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, because of this, take unto you, pick up the whole armor of God that you may be, so that you can be able to stand against the, in the evil day and having done all to stand. So stand therefore, having your, your loins girt about with truth. That's the belt of truth, God's truth against the devil's lies, and then having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you again for your word. Thank you already for the time that we could sing to you. And Lord, I think of the chorus of that last song that we need you. God, we do need you. I need you today. I need you to speak to me and I need you to speak through me. Lord, we need to hear from you today. We need to know exactly what you want to say to us. And so, Father, I pray in these next few moments that you would help us to be surrendered, to hear from you exactly what you want us to hear. 
Help us right now. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we approach Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, down through verse number 18, I ask Paul, Paul, what other resources have we been given? And again, I want to say as we approach this passage, the same thing I said last week as we got into it, that when we come to a familiar portion of Scripture, sometimes we can have the mindset of, oh, I've heard this. Oh, I know, I know this passage. I know Ephesians 6 and the armor. But I want you, if you will, today, just to kind of step back with me and to say, all right, I'm going to put my mindset in the mindset of somebody who doesn't know. What, what do these verses mean? How can they apply to me? What could they add to my week? Or what application can I make in my life this week? And so what Paul is going to do is he's going to give us these resources, and, and then we're going to kind of dissect of how we use them. So what are the four other resources we have? Well, I see this morning, first of all, that we are entrusted with trust, trust against the enemy's darts. Trust against the enemy's darts. Notice verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Paul is explaining the armor in our spiritual warfare by the comparison of a Roman soldier. He's already spoke about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, and now he speaks about this shield of faith. The shield for the Roman soldier was very large. Usually, usually it was a four foot by two foot shield. It was made oftentimes mostly of wood, but then would, would be covered with some sort of metal or iron or very tough leather. And as the soldiers would hold that shield before them, that shield, many of you know this, you've seen different movies and read certain books, that shield would protect them from from arrows being shot or spears being thrown or fiery darts, those arrows dipped in oil and covered with fire that would come flying through the air. You've seen those movies where they just lift up and they just shoot those darts as much as they, those arrows as much as they can. And those, those Roman soldiers would take those shields and they would not only protect themselves, but those shields would interlock and it would produce some synergy where they would be able to protect literally an an entire grouping of men. And I don't know if you've ever studied out the Romans and their warfare, but it was amazing for at the time, amazing technology, amazing advancement. And so here's Paul writing to us, pick up the shield of faith, comparing it to this Roman soldier's shield. If a soldier had that shield, that shield was, it played an incredible part on the armor of the soldier. Think about it this way. The shield was almost an extra layer of protection. It really was. It was almost an extra layer of protection. If, if any other place in the armor had a weak point, that soldier's shield could still supply protection. Think about it. If a, if a soldier had been uh, not wounded, but his armor broken open in that breastplate, What could he do? He could hold the shield up a little bit more. It's going to protect that. Well, in this passage, Paul challenges the believer to realize that that is what faith is for us as a believer. And it's not talking about a saving faith. It's talking just about a daily trust in God. So picking up the shield of faith, when you and I pick up or live with a constant trust in God, 
We can stand against or extinguish the the darts of the enemy because trust for the believer, our trust in God, it is an anchor. It is an anchor for your Christianity. In this warfare, in this life, it is a weapon. The shield is a weapon to help stand against. Faith is a weapon to help stand against the attacks of the enemy. And those fiery darts that we could be referring to here could be the devil's attacks in any way. And let's be honest, the devil has a whole arsenal of attacks, doesn't he? We've already covered some of these, but the devil, he wants to work in your life through deception. He wants to lie to you and deceive you. He wants to cause doubt or discouragement or uh, diversion, getting you off focus. He wants to defeat you. He wants you uh, to have the mindset of, well, I'll serve God tomorrow, the the dart of delay. The, The devil wants you and I to believe everything that he throws at us. Well, the faith of a believer, our trust in God, it is a resource against attacks. Why? Because the fact of the matter is, we can trust God with and through anything. The believer should continually fall back on, God, I choose to trust you. I like how one man mentioned this. He said, the faith mentioned here is not saving faith, but rather living faith. It is a trust in the promises and the power of God, no matter the situation or circumstance. I want to give you a very fundamental, elementary truth for the Christian faith, but it is a truth that is attacked every single day by our enemy. Here's the principle. Our God is trustworthy. I'm saying it again, our God, your God, he can be trusted. We all have those people in life. <clears throat> you ever had somebody in life that they said they would do something, but they don't really ever get around to it? Don't look at your husbands, ladies. No, we all have people that they mention, oh, I'll get that taken care of, and A week turns into a year and a year into two years or three years, whatever it may be. I I speak about my dad often. My dad was not one of those people. There are two things that absolutely drove my, well, there's a bunch of things, but there's two or three things that just drove my dad nuts growing up. Number one, it was when everybody said, when anybody said a certain cuss word to him. There's one cuss word that when people say it to him, he just like, no, we're not having that. Number two was my dad uh, he couldn't, he, he didn't have any sin. My dad had the gift of mercy spiritually, but that mercy ended with people who stole. Yeah, a thief. My dad was like, nope, not, there's no mercy here. Number three, my dad kept his word. My dad kept his word. Now I learned that from my dad. I hope I learned it well, but unfortunately I'm probably not as good as it, at it as he was, but my dad was one that he kept his word. If my dad told you he would show up somewhere, he may be a little bit late, but he will show up. My dad, uh, at one point in life, he told me, he promised me, Dennis, I will never miss as best as I can. I, you know, unless I'm providentially hindered, I will never miss your sporting events. I will never do that. And honestly, to this day, I can tell you that all through high school, all my sporting events, unless my dad had a trip that had come up last minute or something, and he would, he would explain that he never missed my sporting events. 
He'd be in my basketball games. He'd be in my football games. He'd, be, he'd just be there to watch. There'd be times when, uh, if you don't know this, some of you might laugh at this, I was a mascot. After I hurt my knees real bad in my junior year of high school, I just became the mascot for, one of, for our football team and the, and the cheerleaders, and I was the mascot. Wore a big helmet or a big head, got to run around and act like I normally would anyway. <laughs> I remember my dad asking times, and, and I can't recall the exact conversation, but times when my dad would, well, do you want me to show up for that? Well, no, dad, I'm just going to run around and act like a moron. You see me do that at the house, so it's fine. <laughs> My dad kept his promises. I really, I truthfully, I can only recall one time when my dad broke his word. Only one time. Now, there probably were more. My dad wasn't perfect, but I can only remember one. That, it bothered my dad literally until his last moments of being cognizant and having been able to talk. One of our last conversations that we had, my dad apologized again for, for that one thing over 22 years ago, or, or uh, 19 years ago. Like, it's crazy. My dad, was, my dad was that guy, kept his word. I step back and I look at my dad and I say, my dad was trustworthy, but you wanna know the honest truth is my dad, he wasn't perfect. He didn't always keep his word. Now, I may only remember one, but he probably could have remembered three or four or five or 10 or 15 or 18. My dad's not perfect, can I tell you this morning that your heavenly father is perfect? He will always keep his word. He will always keep his word. He is a very trustworthy God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Speaking about the trust that we can have in God, Paul said it this way to Timothy. He said, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why? Because I know who I have believed in. And I am persuaded, completely convinced that he is able to keep all of what he has committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul said, he said, hey, listen, I've undergone a lot of trials, Timothy. Hey, I've been arrested. I've been accused. And there would be people that would say, well, your God forsake you, Paul. But no, you want to know something, Timothy? I know who I have believed and I am completely convinced that he is able to keep every, every promise that he has ever said. I believe and I trust God. No wonder he would write to you and I, pick up the shield of faith. Why? Because faith can quench any dart that the devil throws your way. As the devil lies to you and says, God has forsaken you like the psalmist wrote. God has forgotten you and left you off. And he has left off grace and mercy. And the situation that you're going through, God does not know. You can stand with faith and say, no, I have a God that I can trust. I have a God that I believe. Because God promised it. He promised he would never leave me, Satan. And God has not left me. I may be in the clouds right now and not able to see the sun. I may be in the clouds right now and not able to see the, uh, the, the glimmer of the shine of tomorrow. But I can know that my, my pilot is flying this plane. And if God is flying this plane and I'm through the clouds right now, I can know there is sunshine on the other side of that cloud. Because I have a God that can be trusted. Paul said it this way to the believers in Rome when he wrote, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Your faith, your trust in God throughout every situation, it is a resource to us against the fiery darts of our enemy. 
when we were going through the trials of last year and the season of last year, and I won't rehash all of that, Hannah found a little sign that she placed in our living room, and I, I, I looked at it probably almost every day. Every day I reminded myself of this quote. I can trust the next chapter because I know the author. I can trust the next chapter because I know the author. Hey, listen, you might be in a chapter right now where you're turning page after page and it is just gloom and doom. Listen, you can keep trusting as you turn because he is trustworthy. He is the author. God is in control. God has the answers. God has the resources. So as the devil throws his fiery darts at you, hey, remember that God has provided you with a resource. What's the resource? I can trust God against anything the devil throws my way. Number two, what is our second resource? God provides us with hope against my thoughts. Hope against my thoughts. Look at verse number 17. Paul said this, and take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. This next piece of armor refers to referred to is the helmet. What did the helmet do? The helmet protected a soldier against the damaging and deadly blows to the head. A soldier going into battle without a helmet would have an, would have a, uh, instantly exposed himself to the deadliest of injuries. Leaving off any part of the armor would have been dangerous, but to go without the helmet would be deadly. Here's something interesting though about this particular piece and the wording here. The word in verse number four, or 17, when it says, and take, that word take, it's already used in a few other places. In the other places, now, you can ask Pastor Brian about this later. Brian is a Greek whiz, and he can tell you some of these things. But when you're studying out some of the passages of Scripture, the Greek word that they translate into English, oftentimes they give you three or four translations, three or four definitions of what that word could mean or would mean. Because like many other languages, there's just not a word that can describe in English what was written in Greek. But oftentimes they give you the words kind of in a progressive order. So it's, this is what it means more then the second, amount, second uh, amount of time, the third amount. Does that make sense? Most of the words take in this passage are taking. The first definition, the first definition, it means that it's yours, pick it up, it belongs to you, it's, it's, it's already there. This word take, it would, it would mean to completely receive. It's not sitting there. It's not already been given. It's, it's something that someone is holding out to me, like someone passing me the salt on the table, that it, it's in their hand. It's not just sitting on the table for me to grab. No, it's somebody else is holding it, and I have to take it. I have to receive it from them. Now, here's what's interesting. What's he talking about? Salvation. Salvation is something that we receive from Christ. He is the one who holds salvation, right? He's the one that holds salvation. We have to receive salvation. So there's two inferences here. There's two uh, uh, kind of uh, applications or thoughts that we could take from this. Number one is we must, 
we must know that we've received salvation. Uh, that, again, to take or to receive. I would ask you the question, have you received salvation? Do you know if you died today that you would go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? I'm not asking if you've gone to church your whole life, if your grandpa was a preacher, if you've been baptized, if you've been a part of Moses Lake Baptist for two years or five years or seven years or whatever. I'm not asking that. I'm saying, have you received salvation? Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone? Have you received that? Because salvation is held by God, offered to everybody, held by God, offered to everybody, don't worry about it. It's just the fans wigging out. Brian's taking care of it. Held by God, offered to everybody. But you know what I must do? I must receive it. I must, I must accept it from Christ. So have you received salvation? That's the first thought. The second, when it says to take the helmet of salvation, it, it does not mean to continually receive. How many times do we need to get saved? Once. No, this wording to take or to receive the helmet of salvation, it means the fact is that it's a choice for me to think upon. I must receive into my mind consistently the thoughts of salvation. Okay, let's explain that. The, the idea here is the fact that with just as the helmet would protect the mind of the soldier, Thinking upon or dwelling upon salvation protects the mind of the Christian. You see, our hope of salvation defends us against the enemy's attacks. Because the hope of salvation, it protects us from the devil sending doubt or discouragement into our thoughts. To put on the helmet of salvation not only speaks of that salvation, but it speaks of reminding me of salvation. Remembering and reminding myself that I am saved. Well, what does that mean? It means that I am on the winning side, as the old hymn says. It means that we are victorious. It means that this, this earth, for the believer, this is the worst it's ever going to get. And when you think about the hope of salvation, God has supplied you with the resource of hope against your own thoughts because your thoughts, if they're like my thoughts, sometimes they can lie to me and deceive me. And I need to remember, no, victory is around the corner. No, death is not the end. No, disease cannot take it away. Why? Because salvation is right around the corner. The believer, think about it this way, you have the hope of heaven to look forward to. Hey, when's the last time you thought about that? When's the last time you just focused a little bit on heaven? Isaiah wrote, for behold, I create a new heaven, speaking God through Isaiah and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Now that's an interesting verse because you know what it's talking about? I've been to some very beautiful places in this world. Have you been to some beautiful places? Hey, I'm kind of biased. I really do think we have some of the most gorgeous sunsets in Moses. I really do. Like it's, just, it's just, it's beautiful. It's amazing. We were driving Pastor Skelly to the airport on, on Friday night and I looked back in the rearview mirror and the sky was like pink, orange, blue, red. Like it was just all these amazing colors. And I was like, man, I said, Hannah, you know, I said, babe. And then I was like, I shouldn't call Kurt babe. So I was like, Hannah, turn around and look around. I just, just look back. And Hannah and Kurt both turned around and looked and I, man, beautiful. 
You know what this verse is teaching? That new heaven and the new earth, everything that we think is amazing around here won't even be remembered. (laughs) That's what's waiting for you. That's the hope of heaven. If you've received Christ as your savior, that's, that's yours. Jesus spoke about heaven when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare it, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. In Revelation chapter 21, we learn a ton of things about heaven. One of the things that's absolutely amazing to me is the measurements of the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem, one man wrote it this way, that if you are one mile away from the city, if you, when you look at it, measurements, if you're one mile away from the city, you would not be able to see the top of it. You wouldn't be able to see the top because of how tall it's going to be. If you're 10 miles away, you might be able to see the top. If you're 5,000 miles away because of the measurements, it would appear more than 130 times larger than the moon. To appear the size of the moon, so from our earth looking at the moon, if we were that far away, or if we wanted to see the new Jerusalem at that size, we would have to be 160,427,000 or 427 miles away. 160,427 miles away. And that's, listen, that's just the new Jerusalem. <laughs> that's not even talking about heaven. Walls of Jasper, there is no temple there because he is the temple. There's no light because he provides the light. Revelation says this about uh, the emotional and physical side of it. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, uh, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, right, for these words are true and what? Faithful. Hey, we have a God that can be trusted and we have a hope of eternity to look forward to. Hope, hope against my thoughts. Whenever the devil lies to you, maybe you might speak to your soul the same thing David wrote to his when he said, why art thou cast down? Oh, my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall or I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Hey, it is not... It is not just a small thing for you to pick up, to take up, to receive the helmet of salvation each and every day. It's not you getting saved each and every day. No, your salvation only happened once and only needed to happen once. It is you constantly receiving good thoughts from the Lord that day to say, God, I have the hope of heaven right around the corner. God, you not only gave me the hope of heaven, but you gave me a relationship with you for today. I think sometimes as Christians, we only look to heaven as the hope of salvation. You know what else is the hope of salvation? He's walking with you. God's with you today. He's with you tomorrow at work. God's with you this week when trials hit. God's with you next week when something financially happens. God's with you this week in the victory. God's with you on your birthday. God's with you on your anniversary. God is with you in in the morning. God is with you at night. If you received him into your life, he has moved into you. And the hope of salvation is not just the hope of eternity, but it's the hope of the fact that I have a God, a heavenly father who is walking with me each and every day. Hey, don't miss, don't miss the hope of salvation. It is hope against your thoughts. Your thoughts want to lie to you and tell you all these things and you can step back and say, no, God's with me and heaven is right around the corner. What else has God provided us with? Well, God's provided us with the word of God against all attacks. I went through like three different points for this. 
I had all these, I was like, oh, these answers for all the questions. No, the Bible's more than that. Well, it provides, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go with what it says. What's it say? Look at verse number, <clears throat> excuse me, verse number 17. The second part of it, taking the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. The sword of the spirit. The sword, another weapon that God has provided for the Roman soldier, the sword, he wore it on his girdle and that, that was a, a sword that was often a short sword meant for close combat. When we see a Roman soldier, we think of those long swords. Most Roman soldiers had a blade that was probably only 16, 16 inches to 20 inches long because they knew it's for short combat. It's for, it's for, it's for a hand-to-hand combat. It would be pulled out when the enemy was close and ready for a fight. It would be pulled out when running toward the enemy, the shield in the one hand and the sword in the other. Well, for the believer, the word of God is our sword. The Bible actually says it this way in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This verse compares the word of God to a sword because it's sharp and it's able to pierce the inner man just as a physical sword would pierce a physical man. The physical sword would cut the body. The word of God cuts the heart. The more you use a physical sword and you learn to wield it, the better you are. The more you learn the word of God, the the more able you are to stand against the attack of the enemy. The biggest difference, though, is the more you use a physical sword, the duller it becomes. For the Christian, the more you use the word of God, the sharper you become. A physical sword requires the hand of the soldier, but the spiritual sword requires the hand of the spirit, which is in you. And God desires to use his spirit and his word to help you and help I in life. And the fact of the matter is this, that when you use the sword against your enemy, you can give him a blow and cripple him more than you can imagine because you actually send the devil running because of the power of the sword. Think about Jesus when he was tempted in the desert, in the wilderness. What did he use to combat the devil? We've spoken about it many times. He said, it is written. He used the word of God. And the fact is that you can stand against the attacks of the devil as you and I use the word of God. The psalmist wrote it this way, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that as I use God's word, it directs my life. And then later he'll say, as he uses God's word, it helps you to stand against sin. In in reality, every piece of the armor kind of brings us back to a focus upon the word of God because the word of God is where we learn truth. It's where we learn righteousness. It's where we learn all of these things, salvation, peace that we've been talking about. But for the believer, the sword, the word of God is one of the most important weapons in the armor. It's one of those things that We have to realize God said it this way in Psalm 138, verse number two, I worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name. The psalmist said, for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Hey, his word has been magnified, lifted up. I think that means it's important. The psalmist wrote these verses. I referred to them a minute ago. Wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. 
With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes, thy word. I say this often, but I, I really believe it and I will not apologize to say it. The number one thing the devil fights in your life is your time in, in scripture. He hates it because he knows that as you and I get into the word of God and access the word of God and spend time reading the word of God. Hey, when you get in the Bible, don't just skim over it. Maybe you're like me and I do that. I can just kind of get up in the morning and just uh, put, put my headphones in, just listen to it, not really think about what I'm listening to. No, don't just skim it, read it, get into it, memorize it. Ask God to teach you some things. Ask God to help you learn some things. It is a living book that can cut your heart, not only to cut your heart for conviction, but can, can cut your heart and trim some things out that maybe don't need to be there, but it can cut your heart and bring encouragement in. God's word, God's, uh, the, the piercing of the, of the word of God is not only something that, that hurts at times, but it's something that encourages at times. It's something that helps at times. Don't be a Christian that neglects the word of God. No, read it, study it, think upon it, hold it close to your heart because as you and I battle in this warfare, his word, God's word is a resource. God supplies us with trust against the enemy's darts, with hope against my thoughts, with the word against all attacks. But then lastly today, and don't miss this, God just gives us access to him. Notice what Paul writes in verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know what Paul does is he, he's beginning to wind down. We're going we're gonna to end our series next week with verse 19 through 24. As Paul begins to wind down, you know, he brings it back to, he brings it back to you have access to God all the time. Hey, pick up these pieces of armor. They're important. But remember, pray. You have access to God. Talk to God. What's the encouragement in the verse? Well, he gives us six or seven things that we need to remember. Pray always. What is praying always? Praying always is not always walking around and not talking to people because I'm like, dear Heavenly Father, no, I can't talk. And we're just like running, like walking through places, you know. That's not what it's talking about. No, it's having a, a constant conversation going on with the Lord. Waking up in the morning, it's almost having the mindset, one man said it this way, I just don't ever say Amen. Because amen means I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that portion. It's like I wake up in the morning. Good morning, cry. Good morning, Lord. Help me to walk with you today. And I, God, just help me today. And as I get up and get going through the day, I'm pouring my coffee. Man, God, would you just help me to think about you today? Help me not to rely on caffeine, but your spirit. And I'm just thinking these things. And then my wife gets up and says hello. And I say, hey, honey, how you doing? In the back of my head, I think, God, help me not to say anything stupid today. You know, God, help me just to be, be respectful. And God, help me. The kids get up and then you see your kids. God, help me to lead them well today. What am I doing? I'm just, I'm, I'm just, there's just this constant conversation going on. Why? I need him. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Not just at seven o'clock when I have my time with the Lord or five o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever it is. No, God, I just need you. So praying always, praying with all prayer. What is that talking about? Well, the different forms of prayer. Supplication, intercession, praise, thanks, worship. Hey, all of that should be included each and every day. Praying with all prayer in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. 
What is this? Praying in the spirit is, is praying according to the will of God. God, help me to be focused on your mind today. Give me the mind of Christ today. God, help the Holy Spirit to guide me into truth today. Like he said in John 14, 26, God, help me with all of these things. Praying in the spirit, pray and watch. You see that when it says in verse number 18, and watching thereunto. To pray and watch. Watching, it means to be alert, to pay attention. This is the challenge to not just go to sleep as a Christian. Don't just pray and think everything will work out and I can do whatever I want. No, pray and be on guard. God, help me to not only seek you and have access to you today, but God, help me to be vigilant today. Help me to see the attacks of the enemy coming today. Praying continually, it says, with all perseverance. This means to stick to it, not to quit. Praying with all perseverance is me saying, God, I'm going to follow you and pray and trust even though I see no way this is going to work. It's just continually praying, not that constant prayer, uh, the praying always, but persevering in prayer. Perseverance in prayer doesn't always mean that we're trying to twist God's arm, but rather that we are deeply concerned and we are burdened and we, we will not rest until God gives us an answer. This is the place in the portion of scripture where uh, Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given you. That word ask, it means ask, 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 ask. You know what? God is not like me and you. Because when my kids ask and ask and ask, you know what the answer becomes? No. Why? You are asking way too much. Stop. No. The answer is no. But dad, no, I don't even care what it was. But dad, I was going to ask if I could, no, no, no. That's not God. You know, God says, what, what'd you say? God, I just want to bring this to you again. Okay. What, what was that? God, I want to bring it to you again. Okay, keep bringing it to me. Ask, ask, ask. That's the thought of pray continually. And then it says, with all perseverance for all the saints. Do you see that in verse number 18? You know what we should be doing? We have access to God to pray for others. What is Paul doing as he brings all of this together? Hey, you've been given resources. You've been given resources. Yeah, pick all of those things up, but don't neglect prayer because you have the resource of access to God. I'm gonna ask Micah to come up here. Micah, would you come up? Pastor Rob, where are you at? I need you. Pastor Rob, would you come up here real fast? Every now and then, the teens, they have, uh, they have Nerf Wars here. I'm going to put this up so you can see a little. Oh, that one doesn't go up. All right, you're just going to have to be there. We have ner- the teens have Nerf Wars uh, here. How many of you have ever done the Nerf Wars with the teens? Let me see. All right, there's, there's a handful of folks who have done the Nerf Wars. Craig, you've been here when they've done that? Man, yeah, it's great. They, they tear down the auditorium. They set up chairs. They have uh, Nerf Wars in the entire church. That's why if you ever find a Nerf dart somewhere, it's from a youth activity. We had one time... When it was like six months later, a Nerf dart just went pew and fell down. It's like, what in the world? Nerf, Nerf wars. Now I got a question for you. If I had Micah and I said, Micah, this is your Nerf, Nerf war gear. You got a shield to protect against the darts. You got, the, you got this chest plate. You got a helmet. You got your gun. Micah, here you go. Here's, here's all your darts. Okay, these are all for you. You get all, all those darts, all of them. Give him a whole bag. I say, hey, Pastor Rob, Pastor Rob, you, uh, you're going to have a Nerf war. So here's what I made for you. I made you a Nerf slingshot. It's, it's homegrown. 
There's a Nerf slingshot. And here's one dart. There we go. All right, I got a question for you. In this, you don't need to load that. He's, he's, he's ready, he's prepared. In this Nerf war that we're about to have, let me ask you a question. Who's lasting longer? Micah is. Micah's lasting longer. Why? He's prepared. What's he prepared with? He's prepared with the resources that somebody else gave him. You recognize that? It's not his resources. It's the resources somebody else gave him. Now, Robert, he's not prepared. Why? Because he's just using something somebody else engineered that wasn't well thought of. He doesn't have armor. He, he, he doesn't have a helmet. He doesn't have a shield. If we go to a Nerf war, Robert might run around and he might have some energy but let me, just, let me just lay it out. You know what's going to happen? Robert's going to get tired of the war. Right? Okay, now don't miss this. Don't miss it. Do you know what some Christians do? They're tired of the war. A lot of Christians, forget it. Forget it, I'm done following Jesus. Forget it, I quit. Forget it, I... And we want to give up on the warfare. Here's why. We come to war with our own gear. We come to war with, with our own thinking. We come to, hey, we're in a spiritual warfare right now. The devil is out for your soul. The devil hates you and he hates your family and he is gonna do anything he can to distract you and deter you from walking with God. Even if that means you go to war with a slingshot and one dart. You know what's gonna happen? You're gonna run around and around in the Christian life and you, pretty soon you're gonna get tired. Pretty soon you're gonna get tired and think, God, I thought that it, I I thought that if I did enough that I would please you, but God, I just I've been doing and doing and doing, and God, and you're bringing your own works to God. And here's what God is saying to you and I through Paul, as Paul sits us down. He's saying, Hey, no, the battle does not belong to you. No, I've given you some resources. I've given you a helmet. Think about salvation. I've given you a shield. Hey, trust in God. I've given you that breastplate of righteousness for you to follow the rightness of God. I've given you the, the belt of truth. Keep coming back to the truth. Don't believe the devil's lies. I've given you the, your feet to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, shoes of peace, so that no matter what ground you travel, you can have the peace of God. So here's my challenge to you and I as we wrap up this little mini few weeks understanding the armor is quit going to war with your own stuff. Quit going to war with your own thoughts. Quit going to war thinking, I can do this. I can handle this. No, 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 no. Wake up every day and don't pick up your own slingshot. Wake up every day and say, God, I need you. God, help my thinking today. God, help my faith today. God, help me with the sword today. God, help me to rely on truth today. Help me to be right with you today. God, help me to have your peace today, waking up every day and just pursuing a relationship with a God that is not based upon my performance, but is based upon what he has already done and recognizing that you and I are in spiritual warfare. Don't have the mindset that spiritual warfare is all about defense. My wife sent me a quote and I wanna read it to you. Defensiveness is a terrible posture for serving God. If the Roman soldier is always just on defense, 
no ground is ever going to be conquered. You know what the Roman soldier, you know what we do? As Christians, we wake up in the morning and we take another step in faith with faith leading the way for God. The next day, we take another step of faith for God. The next day, we grow another step for God. What am I doing? I'm advancing the cause of Christ with the armor that he's given me in a spiritual warfare that I am unprepared for. So here's the challenge. You have a resource of God. Quit trying to live life on your own. You have a resource of God and peace and all of these things we've already talked about. Wake up tomorrow. God, I need you. Quit going to war with a slingshot. No, go to war with the equipment that God has given to you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.